0: Welcome back to the Mars Boys Podcast, presented by Pease Custom Lanyards, a quality American-made paracord products that fit all your needs in the outdoors. From gun slings to game totes, Pease has you covered.
1: Top-down decoys, the most effective silhouette on the market. Their new horizontal design will change the way you build your spread for the upcoming season.
0: You can find all of our great sponsors in the bio of our Instagram, at Mars underscore boys.
1: Thank you, and we hope you enjoy the episode. hey take it!
0: what's going on guys welcome back to the Morris boys podcast i'm brian i'm ryan and today we are joined by teddy of gp calls how you doing today teddy been excited for this. hey
2: i'm doing good good evening boys how are you guys doing
0: we're, we're doing all right good. just like you said a little tired but um you said you just came back from
2: indy yeah we uh three years ago we decided to go out to the uh the deer turkey and waterfowl show out there in indianapolis and um Man, I drove straight back through all night because I knew I was going to be talking to you guys. How about that?
0: Oh, we appreciate <laughs> it. <laughs> yeah, I, I
2: couldn't, I, I couldn't sell that good enough, could I?
0: <laughs> like a used car salesman. <laughs> yes, exactly. Take my money. Exactly. <laughs> are you, are you driving straight back through to Virginia or Kansas?
2: No, Virginia. Our home base is in Virginia. Gotcha. Um, we just have a lodge uh, out in Kansas. Um, but, um, yeah, I just drove back the day from out there to Indiana. We had a really good show. We, um, it, the first year we were out there, everybody kind of, it was actually a reality check for us. Um, you know, a lot of times you think you're a little bit too big for your britches. And, um, three years ago we went out there and everybody kind of looked at you and said, who are you? <laughs> so, uh, when I go into these areas, um, uh, and do these shows, it's, it's more of an investment in the area and the people in the area. Mm-hmm. And, uh, if you make a profit or you make money, then so be it. But, you know, that's how you get, uh, I'm, I'm kind of old school that way. It's, I know a lot goes on on social media these days, but I like to meet people
0: Yeah, and I like
2: to get to know them. So, show face. so we had a great show. Uh, we're kind of like, you know, like I told them out there this year, we're family with you guys now. So.
1: Well so with it being tour season now, how many shows do you think you're gonna hit?
2: I got one more we have one more show and that's down at Raleigh. Um it's not I'm not sure if you guys were out at the the uh, Great American Outdoor Show there in Pennsylvania or not. It's yep. pretty close here. I'm yeah, sure we you guys there. can hear that.
0: Yeah, that's uh well, we went opening day of that and we met um I, I can only remember the one guy's name, uh, Peyton Moore. Yeah, Peyton. Yeah, that's who we first talked to, and it was funny. I told him, so I was on the fence, and I I was on the fence about buying a call, and I blew the big hurt, and I went, yeah, I need that call, and I told him, I said, look, I said, I'll buy that call. I said, well, we got to get somebody on the podcast, and he goes, okay. (laughs)
3: Yeah,
0: yeah."
2: He's Peyton's my uh, right-hand man, uh, so to speak, in the call company, Um, and he's young. I mean, he's a, a really young guy. And actually, a lot of folks don't know this, but Peyton's half Madipani Indian. So, really, so the boy's a killer, man. Yeah,
3: <laughs> in the gene. <laughs> he's a
2: stone killer when it comes to yeah. or anything like, really. So, uh, but yeah, he's uh, he's one of our guys, and he doesn't he he can blow a goose call too, man. Let me tell you. Mm-hmm. So
1: he glossed over the part that he already had me sold on your single eagle. <laughs> that nah. and which I, which. Which one was that? I got the uh, caller number 10, and oh, yeah. that's the actually the first single read I've ever blown, and you weren't lying on your website when you said they are really, they're easy and they're nice to call, and they got like really good tone. I'm I'm pretty new to the whole, whole calling thing, and I almost picked it up immediately.
2: Yeah, that's kind of the one thing with um, our company. You know, anytime you, the, the call business is a very competitive business. There's, mm-hmm. there's a lot of companies out there. So you got to, you know, carve your niche out in the um, in the, in the in that world that within, you know, your fellow competitions. So the one thing that we kind of pride ourselves on is our calls are user-friendly. They're easy to for guys that are just starting out to grasp, and they're quality enough for guys that are uh, experienced callers too. So we want to – I know – I can speak for my own self, you know, when, it, when we start, we all start at the same place when it comes to duck and goose calling, mm-hmm. nobody knows anything, yep. but we all start at that spot at that point, nobody can blow a call. And, um, so I struggled with, you know, picking up a lot of different calls and, you know, technology has came a long way and you got YouTube. And so there's a lot more instruction out there on how to do it. But still, when you even when you know how to do it, you can pick some calls up, and they're just very difficult to use. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's one of the things when we go through our R and B work here at the shop in Virginia. Uh, to give you an example, um, this is crazy. The call you're talking about, caller number ten,
3: mm-hmm.
2: um, and it makes it easy. We have a CNC CNC mill that we cut our tone boards on, and that's crucial. Because you know that machine can cut it within two thousandths uh, every wow. single time. Yeah. <laughs> so we cut probably fourteen prototypes, um, tone boards on the color number ten before we got the right one that was you know easy to use, wouldn't stick. You know, a whole lot of variables. Mm-hmm. I, I won't I won't bore the audience with all that all that.
3: <laughs> I uh,
2: mean... but then the, then the nitty gritty, our double read. Uh, that was a one-shot deal, man. We we cut the tone board on the CNC, we tuned it up, broached it, tuned it up, filed it down a little bit, got it, you know, ready to go. And we blew it. And I said, "Don't change a thing. Don't." Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. Don't change settings on the machine. That's the one right there, because that thing is like nasty, raspy.
0: Yeah. And right.
2: that's the one thing that's hard for guys starting out if you do not have that kind of rasp built into a call, it's hard to teach guys how to put rasp in a call with voice inflection within, Mm -hmm. you know, when you're blowing. And so that, that's, those are the kinds of things that we think about, you know, when we're, when we're building a call. So,
1: and it's nice to hear like the in-depth, like research that you do into it, because I mean, you walk around some of these shows and there's, two different kinds of booths i i see for the most part it's I'll, some of them are like all flash and then some of them are all function and you actually have both in yours which i found which <clears throat> i mean i'm i'm kind of i'm kind of picky all my all my calls are going to be green and that was the last one and i'm so glad i got it but <laughs> it was on day one and that was the last one there and <clears> then <throat>
0: you put guys in your booth that know what they're talking about. yeah they're good salesmen. <laughs>
2: Well, that, that that's important. It's um, I, I uh, you know I tell them. I said, listen. I, I learned this from an, a guy that I went to work for that actually introduced me to the outdoor business years ago, and he wanted me to do seminars. And um, and he said, Bud, he goes, I'm going to give you a piece of advice. Um, don't get up there and talk about something that you don't know anything about. Because if you do, people will see right through you. And I, I kept, that was some good, good advice. And I, I and I use that not only in, you know, for seminars or anything. And I'm, I haven't given one of those in years. But uh, <laughs> even in, when you just talk with people, don't act like you know what you're talking about if you don't know what you're talking about.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: So uh, I tell those, those guys, you know, Peyton and Nick and, And all those guys that work for me, listen, you just talk about what you know. And if you don't know it, you just tell the person you don't know it. And you have more, way more respect. People respect you for that. Oh, absolutely. And don't, just don't blow no smoke. So, so we try to run a, you know, a solid company with some solid people and build a solid product. And, uh, and if we get it wrong, right. And that's, that's, you know, that's it. And so, you know, we make plenty enough mistakes. Um, you know, without shooting ourselves, on, you know, shooting our own selves in the foot. So, hmm. so
1: it's it's funny you bring that up. I was talking to one of my coworkers about this uh, earlier in the week, actually, and it's like a weird sense that people have. Like, I, I can't even describe how it is, but you can tell when something's scripted and it, it doesn't it doesn't really come off as good. That's why I feel like a lot of the you know radio shows podcasts stuff like that they they seem to resonate better when it's like just a normal conversation you're not trying to get something across
2: yeah and that's that's what it is a podcast is um who was it that i don't know there was somebody this week in the news that got in trouble they said something on a podcast and they got in trouble that's because a podcast is like you know, we're just boys sitting down this evening having a conversation. Yep. Mm-hmm. You know, and people, people are comfortable with that. And when people are comfortable, you know, they, uh, they're they just authentic. They'll mm-hmm. come across authentic. You know, they're, they're going to be – it's just because it's just a, some, some guys having a conversation or gals having a conversation. So, uh, and, you know, what the public can get from that is the public can get a real insight into – Whoever you know is is get uh, providing an interview or whatever company it is or whatever the, the case may it could be an athlete or anything, the public you know benefits from that because they get an honest, uh, authentic um, look at someone. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, and and I can honestly say we've 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 been pretty pretty picky with our guests. I, I shouldn't say pretty picky, but um you know there there's got to be a connection somewhere between them where where we've either met the company purchased from the company or something like that to where we want to bring them on even you know even the other not not just companies that we bring on we want to bring somebody on that we can talk to and eventually grow into a conversation not just a advertisement Mm -hmm. per se
2: yes that's right and uh because people are going to look at that like oh the dude's on there pushing his calls man Mm -hmm. you know that you know that type thing and i mean uh I I don't like tonight when we're just sitting down here, I mean, if anybody's listening, you can buy a call or you, you don't have to buy a call. I I don't don't care if you call in and buy a call after this podcast. (laughs) And I just do it. I just do it because it's part of our culture now. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it's part of, you know, I would rather your listeners to listen to what I have to say tonight and say, Hey, either one or two things that dude's a nutcase and I hope you never have him back on the show again. Or they're like, Hey, that dude's that dude kind of like, you know, Hey, I want to listen to him again. You know, that, that kind of thing. So, so it's not really these things for me anyway, or us, it's it's not about um, selling calls ultimately either you will or you won't, but it's more about, you know, letting the public get to know us, just like, um, you know, my trip out to Indiana, you know, you want to, you know, get to know those folks. And then next thing you know, everybody gets comfortable. And then the next thing they start hearing stories about (laughs) things I used to do. And then their (laughs) eyebrows all go up and their eyes get big. They said, you did what? (laughs) Yep. You know, that's, that's what these things are about. And uh, there's nothing, if I'm, if I'm uh, surfing and looking for podcasts and I hear, hear the 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 old sales pitch going on man it's like uh, i'm just gonna keep on going yeah because you, know, you tune in to to hear people and you hear stories and hear all those things so and it is beneficial it's educational too just like i was talking about cutting those tone boards and cutting them within a couple thousandths and so on and so forth and you, so you you do get some educational you know look into the background of uh, the company and and you'll know, right. The public will know like, man, these guys are like, they got it going on, man. They, or they'll be like, them dudes are buying echo inserts and sticking them in the end of them. Calls. <laughs> yeah. So oh, you know, a lot yeah. of that goes on in our that's, industry. That's man. A there's, whole there's very
0: conversation in itself.
2: <laughs> yeah. There, there's very few people, man, that, well, I shouldn't say very few, but in our industry now, that's the one thing I'm disappointed in. Um, Is the fact that um, people can just buy parts from other companies? The I'm not talking about the the non-essential parts like a barrel or or Mm -hmm. something like that, but an insert is everything, or 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 set of guts and a goose call. That's where the nitty gritty is, man. That's where that's where you know that's where calls set each other apart.
1: Mm -hmm. That's where I
2: was leaning towards.
1: more of the the flash and not function, or less function, more flash. That's that's the kind of you know deal you kind well, to see with
2: that. They take an yeah, echo it,
1: call insert and then make it you know quote unquote right. more.
2: They had no, they had zero input in how that call sounds. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, because in a duck call, the inserts everything. I mean, yeah. now don't get me wrong, but there's, there's stuff that you put in a barrel how far you're insert sets away from your mouth and and so on and so forth those things you know count to those those are essential to how the clock's going to sound as well but the tone board trust me is 85 percent of 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 the duck call if you're buying somebody else's tone board man you're just not authentic you're just not it's just it's not you yeah it's Mm -hmm. not you're not building it somebody else is building it for you and it lets people go in business you know overnight which i'm Big capitalist guy. I'm a free market guy for sure, but uh, don't advertise it as your your product. You know, you know. Give Rick Dunn the credit for that he deserves for uh, making your call sound good. Yeah.
0: <laughs> so before, because I want to go into how how GP calls came about, but before I do that, I want to learn how Teddy Carr came about. Were you grown up into the, the waterfowl world, the hunting world, anything like that? Or it was something you picked up over time through friends or other people? or So, So, yeah, how, how did you – what was your intro to the outdoor world? So,
2: we'll uh, – I know I, – I'm pretty sure this is going to be a two-part deal. I think we talked about that because yep. mm-hmm. we run the outfitter business too. And it, this would be a. I'll, – I'll, I'll just tease it. Okay, And we'll get into it more in depth when we do part two. Uh, Boys, let me tell you something. When I grew up, uh, if you didn't know how to hunt, you didn't know how to fish, you didn't eat. So uh, you got real good at killing anything, you know, to eat. And um, whether it was deer, and to be honest with you, when I was a kid here in Central Virginia, we didn't have that many deer. So deer hunting wasn't a very popular thing here. A lot of it was small game and birds and ducks and stuff like that. So it just came about as my a generational thing. In fact, you know, my hobby is genealogy. You know, that's what I do. I'm kind of like my off time. You know, we'll start here in a couple of weeks. Um, and so I researched, you know, the Carr family line. It's Scottish. It goes back even as far as the Vikings. But it was so funny. I found a, a guy named John Carr of Selkirk Forest. And he was a, a gamekeeper, a, a Scottish gamekeeper, and, and you know the gamekeepers were basically, you know, ancient outfitters. So basically, you were responsible for supplying the village with, uh, you know, meat,
3: mm-hmm.
2: you know, for for everybody to eat. So it's kind of funny that yeah. I said, "Oh, there yeah, man, I, I I got a recessive gene that goes back, <laughs> goes back a few thousand years, baby." Literally so, in your blood. Yeah, it's literally in my blood. So you know, that's that's how it started, man. I learned as i did as growing up i did all kinds of hunting i mean we and we ate all kinds of things man i even ate a raccoon and groundhog when i was growing up i've <laughs> and, had uh, groundhog i've had groundhog i actually you know didn't dude, mind let me tell it you much. something groundhog's pretty good yeah it was it was like a uh, pot roast
1: the one i had it was you couldn't tell the difference until they told me actually i didn't tell the difference until i was
2: told dude it's dad blame good I'm mm-hmm. telling you, I'm just going to flat out say it. It's, it's, it's good. I, I like it, but now you can have that coon. I don't want nothing to do with that coon anymore. I, we're still <laughs> working it. our way up. I the haven't lot. eaten we are coon, try
0: it. but I mean, <laughs> a couple of years ago, I got a chance to eat possum and Teddy as much as, you know, I, I guarantee you nine, nine point nine out of 10 people will tell you they'll never eat a possum. I'll eat all nine point nines people serving in that possum. That was some, that what? was pretty damn good.
2: Is this is this this is Brian, correct? Yep. Mm-hmm. Brian, you got one on me that you'll <laughs> always have on me. I'm in that ni- <laughs> I'm in that ninety point nine percent to ankle eat that possum. <laughs> we 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 had to we had to hunt to eat growing up, but uh and I don't I don't I don't want to make it sound like I was living on a dirt floor or anything. We we actually were, had a farm too, so we ate quite a bit of beef, you know, also yeah. you know, that type thing. But that that's how I got started in in the uh, door world is you know because a it's in my blood and b you know it's just something that my family's always done generation after generation after generation and it just and it's funny as i got older and you know and and this is going to sound crazy to young people too uh we used to read books and
3: uh, i still read,
1: I
2: read not everything was on on the phone you we had no phones mm-hmm. and uh cell phones and uh we had nothing like that so you had to read a book if you wanted to learn anything and man i for years i kept all of my outdoor life um magazines you know i i even brought them when i got married i even brought them you know to the house our house and my wife was like w- what is this and i'm like honey this is my youth this <laughs> 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 This was me. So I had two goals I had in life. You know, I, I had basically had two goals. I My first goal was I actually wanted to be a football coach. And I wanted to play football. And uh, and then I wanted to get into coaching. I just love that game. And I love the X and O's of it and the coming up with a game plan and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. And um, and my second goal was I wanted to, to be a big game hunter. Uh, because I think when you're young, that – sounds exciting and adventurous to you Yep. and uh so i i because of an ill-spent youth and some mistakes i made i I couldn't fulfill my first goal but uh, my second goal um you know i ended up doing it i ended up you know you know being an an outfitter and then that outfitter business um gave rise to the call company and that's an interest interesting thing um how we came about with that if you want to hear that so
0: yeah let's uh let, let's roll into the call deal and you know like okay. you said on in part two we'll get back to we'll, we'll say we'll get back to the basics and we'll dive more into your upbringing but yeah let's let's hear about how uh grip pack calls came about so
2: we're going out to um dinner one night we're doing a family dinner and i don't know i picked the boys up uh, my two sons Sean and justin Uh, And I own a company with them. Uh, And we're just having a frank conversation. The Outfitter business was exploding. And it's um, doing really well. And I just wanted to have a life conversation with them about, hey, you know, what are you guys going to do with, you know, this, this deal when I step away from it? And they both looked at me and said, we ain't doing anything with it. We don't want nothing to do with it. And which was a first a kind of a punch to the gut, like pops have worked really hard, you know, creating something and and they don't want to have anything to do with it. So I'm quiet, you know, and then the oldest, John, spoke up, said we want to be in the industry, but we don't we don't want to be in the outfitter part of it. I'm like, dude, what does that even mean? You want to be in the industry? And uh, they said, we want to build duck and goose calls. And I'm like, what? (laughs) I said, this is like when you were 10 and 11 years old over at the Fisherville show in the Shenandoah Valley. They were little dudes like, dad, we can do that. Let's 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 build some of these calls, you know, and I I just kind of like shrugged it off, you know, and ignored them. (laughs) Boy, we're not doing anything like that, you know, and, you know, just stop bothering me with that stuff. And then they never that desire, I guess, never left them. The curiosity, I guess, never left them. So when you when your last name's Carr, you think you can do anything.
3: <laughs> and uh
2: that all thing gets us in trouble. And uh so I gave in to two little spoiled brats. They weren't little then, they were grown men. Uh, so I gave in to them and said, "Okay, I said if that's what you want to do, but y- you got to know this, if we do this, we're in it. You know, we're not getting out of it. We're in it." Yeah and because i'll let your listeners know this about um about me and then hopefully this carries over to my boys and all my descendants i I never do anything short-sighted um the guys that work for me laugh at me like you know peyton just looks at me with this quizzical look you know peyton i said i'm thinking 75 years out son i'm not i'm not thinking about i guess (laughs) tomorrow And they just, they look at me and they don't, like, what? (laughs) And uh, I said, yeah. I said, when I'm gone and you're my age, then you better still be working for GP calls. Because (laughs) I don't, I'm not building it to sell it. I'm not building it to, you know, just for fun. I'm I'm building it to last for a long, long time. Oh,
3: absolutely.
2: There you are. Okay. I didn't move it boys. No,
0: you're good. Don't worry. I I go through and edit every podcast. So, you know, I'll I'll go back and I'll take those little pauses out and it'll sound like nothing happened.
2: All right. So where, where did, uh, I leave off.
0: Uh, you were talking about telling Peyton that you're thinking 75 years forward, not just tomorrow.
2: Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I told him, I said, I said, Peyton, I said, listen, um, when I'm gone, brother, you're going to be my age. And, uh, you better still be working for GP calls. <laughs> and of course, uh he's such a good kid, man. He says, "I'll carry on the mantle." You know, "I'll carry on the mantle," he said. So, uh so they, you know, I think long-term on everything. And I told my sons, I said, "Listen, we're in this for the long haul," so you know, through the ups and the downs." I said, "So just buckle up." Yeah. And uh that's what gave rise to the company, right there, that conversation going to dinner that night and if I'm not mistaken, I think that was right there at the end of hunting season, uh, of that year, I guess it was 2015. And then, um, or the beginning of 2000. Yeah, it was the end of 2015. We spent a summer, a spring and a summer building our, you know, adding onto our garage, building our shop. And then, um, you know, kind of like, starting the R and D work. Yeah. And, uh, so the, the roles in the company is, um, you know, Justin, my youngest son is the brains. I mean, he, and I don't say this because he's, he's, you know, my son, but you could ask anybody who knows him. Um, I don't think when I say, when you think you're a car, you can do anything. He's the epitome of that. (laughs) Um, he wrote all the code. Um, for our CNC machines, really, and had never turned one on in his life. Wow! And we may have had two or three hiccups in it. If we, if that, to be honest with you, and that code, the book we even wrote it out manually. You know, he printed it out. So we, if something ever went wrong, we got a if the you know the software ever crashed, we got actual of the of the tool tool code. It's called G code. Um, you know, we can open up that book. And uh, and then rewrite the code on the machine because we have a printed version of it. That that book is two inches thick, and he did every single bit of it. And he's the brains behind. In fact, if on the company documents, he's listed as the manager of engineering, and uh, he designed every single call we got, with the exception of one. I I designed the True Grit, and mm. uh, and Justin has designed. Uh, every other one the mo crack and goose call which is our actually our most popular call and we have some pro- proprietary you know stuff inside that call that we guard very secretively yeah and uh, because it's the easiest blowing ghost goose call you'll ever blow yeah
0: um, and, and so I will say that's why I had so I, I like the big hurt I put a lot I blow a lot of air pressure because you my blow controls. a lot of air yep yeah yep yep, yep. yep. Um, so, go ahead
1: I did want to want to ask, um, so doing a little bit of background research, I mean, we try to do what we can, I noticed you, I think you filed for your LLC in 2020, and I was curious, was that whole five years just the research and development, or that was just getting the full line out before, you know, you took it public and all?
2: No, the LLC in 2020 is uh, Cars waterfowl company, I believe. Oh, so the okay. LLC yeah the LLC for GP calls I believe was filed in 2016 um so I think 2016 is when we went public you know selling calls so we had we probably did 6 months worth of R&D on mm-hmm. just 3 calls um and I I'll be honest with you um that was probably too short Of a time, but you know, anytime you're you're creating something like that, man you you just want to get it out to the public. You're so excited. You're so you're so fired up to to get everybody else to you know. You just want to go. You just want to move forward, Mm -hmm. move ahead. And you know, this is some and we're very secure where we're at now. So now you can talk about your hiccups and the things you did wrong and. And kind of laugh about it, but at the time, it was a real issue for us. Was the True Grit the call that I designed? We just could not get the tone board right, and um, the the call that you see now that is the third generation tone board in that call. Okay. We wouldn't give up on the call. We didn't want to give up on the call, but we were not happy with it, and we just kept working at it. And that call, and so this this gives you uh, a little insight also to to everybody listening that you know back then we didn't have we were starting out man we we're just almost like when I was growing up you had to hunt you know to make a living because I was poor we we're poor we didn't know we were poor but we were poor and uh so we were poor in uh equipment to start now you know in the shop be honest with you we didn't we didn't have the money to plop down on a CNC machine. And so everything was done those tone boards were created for the True Grit and the Trickster. They were created by hand, you know, you basically buy a public jig. They sell these things online that's called a public jig and it's it's basically a guy who um has developed a call um and he puts his jig up for sale. And you know, that makes that call so we just bought a public jig Mm -hmm. and we don't want to mimic that person's product so then you start trying to put your own slopes and angles and uh ditches and everything else into your tone board so but you got to lock it down in a jig just to get the you know the shape of the part you know Mm -hmm. yeah And so we're filing on this thing and we're filing on them and i can't tell you how long and tedious that was it was it was painstaking and so you didn't have like now we have you know SolidWorks a program called SolidWorks we can throw the image up on a screen you know and we can change the angle of the tone board and you know how deep the cork notch is how long the tone board is uh a lot of it has to you know a lot of of calling has to do with how thick the tone board is. It's just yeah. so many metrics that go into a duck. You know, a duck call should cost four hundred and fifty dollars. You know that I mean? <laughs> a goose call should be a goose call. I, I'm not kidding you, man. I, I don't know how in the world this got flipped around like this, but a duck call ought to be four hundred and fifty dollars, and you ought to be able to pay a hundred dollars for a good goose call. Mm-hmm. Because goose calls are a hundred percent easier to build. They're a hundred percent easier to design. The guts on them. Yeah. It took Justin ninety days to uh come up with the mo crack and goose call I the guts in
0: i tell you what my girlfriend would love to hear
2: that <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah so um uh, but at any any rate once once we got the shop going out and one of the first things that happened the, the guy who's guides for me in the outfitter business the longest <clears throat> tommy tommy t he comes over he goes man i want to be a part of this first call that we you make I want to be a part of it. I, I got to be there, and I'm like, okay, man, we're going to do it this. You know, we're going to do it this afternoon, so you better be there. So we took a. We're going to do a duck insert for the True Grit, and so we got locked in on the on the drill press. And by the way, after we talk, after I tell you this story, I I, I want to walk you and your audience through the assembly line of how we do this. Okay, so okay, yeah. Um, but it, but at any rate, we locked that thing in there, that piece of acrylic, and the drill press, man, and. Um, I mean this. This is how raw we are, man. We got transmission fluid in <laughs> a spray bottle, <laughs> trying to keep the drill bit cool. Yeah. <laughs> we locked the drill bit in the piece of acrylic together. Couldn't get them apart. I wish I would have saved it. Now I threw it away. Well, the first thing Tom does is grab the drill bit. Drill bit. When we take it out of the chuck, and scorches his hands. Oh. Like, well, so. I mean, dude, that's like you know, Keystone Cops up in this shop, man. It was, it was <laughs> crazy. Three Stooges. I mean, it was it was insane. And how uh, in the world we were able to build some really good calls? I have no, I have no clue, boys. <laughs> I'm telling you, man. I don't know. It's the Lord's blessing, is yeah. all I can
0: say. And de- I mean, it 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 shows you guys have some serious dedication to it. Oh yeah,
2: yeah. We that's like I said, you know. I think long-term and I, I don't let anything, you know, push me down. So, yeah. um, but anyway, we went, went from that to, you know, what we do now and we, you know, th- all of us, my boys, me, and I mean, great callers, uh, we could take a call and we could tune it, take one apart, fix it, tune it and read birds. And you no, know, we could do all that, but you know, for you and your listeners manufacturing them is a whole nother thing. And we, we really had to educate ourselves on that. We had to bring ourselves up to speed. I mean, we, we realized very quickly that we knew nothing about manufacturing stuff. And so then we started setting in, you know, some guidelines and some protocols and, you know, say, Hey, look, we, we got to really, you know, rethink this. So now, uh, we have, a. situation and and we went through that that whole deal of uh we had created it was funny we created the important parts of the call all of our calls we got like the mo crack and the 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 big hurt um the trickster was the next duck call after true grit we had we weren't happy with the true grit we had we had but we had three good calls and so we went through the process of farming out the barrels um and uh, our tone boards to other machine shops and and that's just one step up from buying somebody else's products and plugging them in to, into your own so um we we went through that whole thing and then it, it quickly I, I i i wasn't very good at manufacturing but i'm pretty good at math and when i'm I just brought the boys in I said, listen, the guys that are making the money out of this deal are the people that are building the parts. Mm-hmm. I said, either we tool up the shop and start doing this in-house or, and this is just a couple years in, you know, and yeah. I said, we the tool up our shop, do it ourselves, or your dad's going to take a step back and let you boys take it over. And um, they said, oh, no, 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 no. Because when you're doing it that way, man, hey, you don't control the schedule of getting your stuff and getting your stuff ready to go for the public. And you don't control the quality control. Mm. You don't have the, you know, your tolerances. You'll get 10 parts that are not correct, you know, the tolerances. And then you got to deal with that guy and go back and say, hey, I got 10 parts that don't work. And then he's got to make them right. And then you get them like nine months later. And I I was done with that, man. So, so that was a pivotal, pivotal point in our business. Probably around 2018, we decided to up the shop and and, and do it ourselves. You know, everything 100% in-house.
1: So when, when you were subbing out the uh, parts, the ones that you did get back right, were they still, did you notice them like still kind of off from what you originally envisioned? Or
2: sometimes uh, they did
1: get it yeah. right? Or how was that?
2: yeah because you got to understand like and this is part of learning manufacturing uh and this is tough in the call business so those guys have a guy standing at a machine and they're paying that guy's salary Mm -hmm. and their whole premise is production and man they're running them and what i've noticed in um in cnc work is about we and this drives my son crazy because he thinks i can do more I'll cut about a dozen parts on our CNC stuff and I shut it down Mm -hmm. because once you start getting past um, a dozen parts, you start to get chatter, tool chatter. And all that is, is movement in your tool tooling.
3: Uh And
2: and then that throws your tolerances off. And so then you shut it down and then I go to another station and, and, and start, you know, working or, you know, I have Peyton working, Uh, on something and then we switch up he'll go do something i may take over what he's doing you know we just got to keep moving it around and try to keep the the production flow at the cnc machines at a low volume and then we'll retool up something else on the CNC. we may switch over and start doing you know duck inserts Mm -hmm. and just to keep that tolerance the tolerance is really really tight so you'd get your duck inserts in from somebody you farm the parts out to or the production out to You'll get your, your duck inserts and next thing you know, you're having the file on them and take some of the, the top slope off the you know, your 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 call may be sticking. You're gotcha. like what? Especially, you know, on the trickster. Uh, that call is almost like the mo crack and it's got some pretty pra- pra- proprietary I know I Fumbled that word, but <laughs> let me say it a different way. It's got some secret stuff in it, man, that we try to guard real heavy. That's a better and, way to uh, say it. Definitely, that, that's more my speed. <laughs> yeah, no. And so your um, your tone board, we would get them back, and then we would we'd have to sand on them with an emery board or sandpaper to to, to get them where they wouldn't stick on your feet. Chuckle, you know, stuff like that. And you know, and I was just tired of it, man. I was like, hey, look, we got you know, if I'm gonna I'm gonna fail. I'm failing on my terms.
3: yeah. Mm-hmm. And if
2: I'm going to succeed, I'm going to succeed on my terms. And when you're farming your stuff out, man, you're not, you, you don't have that. You're not, it's not you. You're not. It
1: takes the heart out of it,
2: right? Right. And not only that, it gets back to being authentic, you know, and mm-hmm. that's important to me. I want to be authentic, man. I, I want people to walk up like, you know, talking about these shows and that Harrisburg and, and Indy and, you know, when we go to Raleigh next week, I want people to walk up and just respect the fact that. You know we're authentic what you see is what you get mm-hmm. and uh and it's the same way in the shop so uh i know i'm talking a lot so you guys get your questions <laughs> in if, if you got any questions before i walk you through our kind of our um assembly line how we do it get them in now
1: that's so. that's actually what i was just about to ask you about is uh like from start, I'm, I I love this kind of stuff. So I, I work with my hands. I'm you know make stuff in a shop, install it out in the field, stuff like that. I really I don't know much about calls. I don't I don't know if you know this, but um, I'm I'm relatively new to the hunting scene. What's it been about three years? You think he, he's got two I've dabbled two before, full seasons. Two in. full seasons, and I am I am really curious because when when you break it down, it's That's it's a whole new f-
0: aspect to it.
1: But it's also four parts, but you don't realize all the things that go into, you know, the inside, the outside, like, the way it slopes, all that that kind of stuff, and how it affects different things. So I am really curious on how you go about
2: it. Yeah, so here's the thing. You're two years in, and, uh, man let me think back when I was just two years in two years old I don't I don't even know if I can think back that far so uh but you're man you're you're at the level now where like uh the night before you go hunting you can't even sleep man you're like fired up about it so you you're 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 like praying for snow and you want to see that big green head just dropping down in those snowflakes and with his rings his wings rocking and his feet down and that's what you're thinking, man. That's what you're like all in, you're all fired up about that. Or I can't stand hunting in the snow. I hate hunting <laughs> yeah. in the snow. <laughs> snow is nothing but extra work to hunting. I call you guys the big romantics, man. You guys are romantic duck hunters. You you want the big snowflake look with the big mallard greenhead coming in it. So. We had
0: a very, very we so about Forty episodes ago, we talked to a guy named Matt Persons out of Mississippi. He's a big turkey hunter, and we mm-hmm. got into that whole conversation. And you, that is, I mean, it is the romantic the romantic part of hunting is is per, we've talked about it before. it's personally our favorite. Like there, it's and just never in, lost it either. It's such an in depth feeling mm-hmm. with stuff like that. <laughs> yeah, you can have that snowboard. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's,
2: that's the outfitter speaking now. However, the guy. Over it's different in, for us, man.
0: <laughs> over here in Jersey, we'll take all the snow we can get. It ain't we've snow, only snow. It's a
1: torrential downpour if there's going to yeah, be any kind of precipitation. We've only, we've
0: only had two good snows.
1: Yeah. It it was yeah, uh, two I years. I don't think
2: we've had any snow here. Well, I, when I was in Kansas, they had a snow here in Virginia, I believe. Mm. Um, and then we had one decent snow in Kansas. It just doesn't snow like it used to, boys. That's yep. for sure. But it's all cycle, cyclical. It'll, it'll cycle around again. Yeah. So. Um all right, so let me walk you through just give you a kind of a um, a brief overview of you know and and then the folks listening on how we build our calls because I think it's essential we do it different and um, I think we do it different. you know I'm sure if there's another callmaker listening they're like, no man, that's how we do it too <laughs> So and it could be and, and if you're listening and you're doing it that way, you're doing it the right way. <laughs> so, so anyway we um uh, one of the things that me and justin kind of go back and forth on is uh I, i've well let me i'll get to that in a second so we get their acrylic rod comes in it comes in four foot lengths and then we'll take a chop saw and we chop it down to a rough length for the part that we're building and then we stock all they're called blanks and we stock them you know, and, and slots in the shop based on you know the call the call part and then we'll take it goes from there to a big metal lathe that's extremely heavy sets on the bench and we that metal lathe does has one function for building um new or i shouldn't say that it has a couple functions but one of the first function it does is we true up the ends of the call uh, with it on a three-jaw chuck it's got a three-jaw chuck on it we chuck it up and then we clean up the ends from where the saw did and then square square the ends. And then from there, it goes to a drill press. So that's where we're, we deviate from a lot of um, machine shops. Machine shops, if you're going to um, farm out your parts, they're going to drill it on their CNC machine. Mm-hmm. They're going to pour your hole on the CNC machine. And that's where you get most of your mistakes. Uh, that's when you get the parts back nine out of the ten mistakes that the the folks make are going to be on that on that bore and then your call is not going to fit together right uh, you're going to have to you know groove out your o-rings make them bigger you just got to do a lot of retrofitting to make those parts Some a lot of the parts fit and that is a direct result from that tool chatter that I was talking about earlier you know when you bore out, bore out the uh, call. So we do it with a drill press by hand. Okay, in every single one of them, and then from there, our CNC machines are set up with a mandrel system, and we'll chuck that uh, part up on a mandrel system, tighten it down, and our CNC machines profile uh, the outside of the call, and then it cuts tapers on the inside of your inserts or it'll cut the tapers on the the mouthpiece of your of your barrel Mm -hmm. and then from there we sand them and uh we sand them down to about 800 grit and then you know then it goes into a polishing process to the engraver to the table logos painted goes Mm -hmm. in a parts cabinet that would be a barrel and the same for insert but inserts don't get engraved our inserts anyway we don't engrave our inserts and, and there's a reason for that I mean, um, we th- really think these things through, I mean, I, I on your insert and w- the big thing, I know, you know, Freddie Zinc did a video, uh, that was super cool where they took a, a torch and, uh, years ago and they, they filmed a torch, uh, actually running on the inside of a translucent call. And that's how they polished the call. Huh and look cool as crap and like man we want to look cool too so we we tried that now freddy's guys may have been good enough not to warp those warp those parts and, and and you know but we weren't so it didn't take us but just like 2 or 3 months of doing that like nah we're not doing this anymore so we do we have a different different process but from learning that um from learning that we we said you know what we don't want to add any heat uh, to our inserts. Okay. We don't want to put any extra heat there. We want that because that in a goose call, that's the part has got to be stable, man. Yeah. You know, that that's the part that's holding your guts. And, you know, we want it to be stable. We want that bore. That's the other thing. When you got a goose call coming back from a third-party provider uh, or somebody that's farming out uh, or you're farming your you know, your construction out, um, you get a goose call, come back and the, and that bore is not right to accept your guts. It's too big. You got to throw that part away. Mm -hmm. And then if it's not too big and too tight, then you got to board out yourself. And then that, that shows through your fit and finish. And that, that looks like crap. Mm -hmm. And so another reason for us, you know, doing it ourselves and uh and the best way to achieve that is through you know drill press takes a little bit longer to do it that way and uh because you you know we run it on we run a fluid we don't and by the way we don't use transmission fluid anymore (laughs) Uh, that's good to hear we have the standard way oil water treatment uh, oil and water uh fluid system in our shop now so we don't spray bottle anything with transmission fluid anymore and that come to find out that was denigrating some of our parts on top of that, and then that only that we only did that for a couple of weeks. Yeah. yeah. So that's I just want to be clear about that. Everybody. That was only like a two week thing, man. that wouldn't so, have It didn't me. take us long to figure out that you know transmission fluid was not the way <laughs> not the move. to cool down the drill, drill bits. So that's um, probably like uh,
1: the sixteenth worst thing I've been exposed <laughs> to on the day. So I'm not really all that worried about it.
0: <laughs> Real quick, Teddy, I do want to go. I do want to reel back to your your barrels. Okay, I have, I have your I have the big hurt hanging right next to me, next to another goose call, and mm. I noticed from the second I picked it up at the outdoor show, yours, the way you fit it to the lip, it's almost reverse of every other call. Your taper's on the outside. Yep, and 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 at first I thought it was a little weird, and after blowing it for a while, I'm like, it 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 almost it's creates tough, a better. Though. It's a it's more comfortable, and you almost get a better seal out of it. Like yep. I've had a big big issue. With my, like, because so I I just got started into the competition deal. I'm not the greatest, but it's something I, before I started duck hunting, I started calling. So right. I'm very, very big into especially goose calling. I love goose calling. That's why I think why I love goose hunting so much. You're talking to them a lot more in my, the way I hunt than, than duck calling. But anyway, after blowing your call, it, it's. Like I said, with, with other calls, with the, with the normal taper, after blowing for two minutes or a minute, minute and a half, the call starts slipping inside my mouth.
2: Mm-hmm. This,
0: this call does not move no matter how. It, I, can, I can long wind it as much as I want, and that call
2: stays exactly where I put it. That's the, the little geek Justin engineer, the manager of engineering. <laughs> uh, that's him. That's all him. Everything, I will tell you and your audience this, everything we do to a cause for a functional reason.
3: Yeah.
2: Uh, right on down to the end of that insert, if you look at a, at the end of our Goose inserts, everybody has kind of, uh, not everybody, but a lot of folks have the trumpet style wow. insert where it flares out at the end. And we were like, or let me back up. Justin's like, why would you do it that way? Why? Because... I think it's better if we are able to wrap our thumb and our index finger on a flat surface at the end Check and extend our hands off of the call and get more call volume and get better control of the sound coming out of the call.
0: I never even noticed that till you just said it, but yeah. That
2: and a and, flat end. And when he, when he said that, I just kind of looked at him and I blinked. I'm like, I said, boy, we're going to have to get a DNA test because <laughs> I don't think it belongs to me. So... <laughs> well heck you said you were good at math you
0: had to pass some yeah, brains down yeah
2: that's exactly right I <laughs> um, need to go back and do some arithmetic so I mean like I'm, I'm not even you know he's thinking about things like that man and, and you know and I'm and of course I'm not you know and I, I'm fortunate first of all he's my son I love him you know he's a good kid great family man uh, but that dude is just ball smart man I mean he's like you know he's super smart and he analyzes stuff almost to an OCD level, to be honest with you. So uh, back to the big hurt and that mouthpiece. This is, you know, his thinking on it and our discussion about it is like, you know, look, the mo cracking is one thing because it's light air. But we're pushing a lot of air through this call. And air that escapes around your mouth is not going to be a good thing. Mm-hmm. And inverted mouthpieces and you know this even from duck calling a certain amount of your air slips out yep. the corners of your mouth in the in the heat of the battle of calling geese or ducks into the field or to spread or the onto the water you know your your adrenaline's flowing and you know you're not focused on it's not like a calling routine where um, where you're on stage and everything is about focus on the moment and what you got to do out in the field, the adrenaline's pumping and people, you know, the calls moving around in your mouth and your head spinning around and you're changing directions and all kinds of stuff. So yeah, it's even little things like that, you know, they're there for a reason. They're not, our approach to building calls, first of all, is functionality and then aesthetics. Um, you know, a lot of, I, I had a person come up, to us an indian like oh man they and they don't hunt they're not um they're not even duck hunters and they look and they're like oh man they're so shiny and pretty makes me want to buy one and so i get it that that stuff sells to the eyes you know you know you're appealing to their sense of sight you know with a very aesthetic call but for us functionality comes first and right on down to how your mouth fits on the call right on down to how your index finger and your thumb fit at the end of
0: the call so oh sorry i thought you were going to keep going there for a
2: second <laughs> no no I'm um, watching another question so
0: now that you've explained basically where you started from with transmission fluid and now you're you're you've, yeah. you've got you guys have got the hang of this now yes what, what yes, was the biggest hurdle you guys either mentally physically you know, I don't want to say financially, but maybe if that's it, that's it. The biggest hurdle you guys had to cross, you know, from going from a garage shop call business to a noticeable call business, I, I guess is the way I'm going to phrase it.
2: That that'd be good. Um, financially tooling up the shop, it costs a lot of money to put the equipment in the shop. Yeah, it's not. Uh, I'm
0: Sure. CNC machines and drill yeah. presses
1: and all that 60 year old ones are still go for crazy amounts of money <laughs>
2: right, so um, Patience
1: Patience
2: being patient. Yeah. is the, the big, biggest hurdle um, We You know, we have a vision in what we want to accomplish and, and we have we have a place where we want to get to and this will be our eighth year, I believe. I think it's our eighth year, and we have not reached that that goal yet. And um, so just having the patience, especially now um, uh, for the manager of human relations, which that's my oldest son, John. You know, John is, uh, John is a little impatient, and he <laughs> wants it. He wants to move faster than what, Um, and, and here's, here's the other part. So let's go back to the money for a second, uh, and tooling up the shop and so on and so forth. And we had COVID when COVID struck, Mm -hmm. um, for whatever reason, the year before we decided like, man, we're going to go, we want to test our ability in the shop and just see how much we can manufacture. Mm -hmm. how just how many calls can we really make and just pour it on just as hard as we could pour it on those machines in the shop, man, we had so much inventory when COVID struck. (laughs) I mean, we had a pile of it, but you know what? It was all paid for.
0: Oh yeah.
2: And it could have sat there for two more years and it wouldn't have bothered us. It wouldn't affected us. It wouldn't have affected our bottom line, uh, because we pay for you know every I am I'm, I'm a big believer if we if we can't pay for it then we don't get it.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: And so um our company is debt free. Uh it's solvent. We're not going anywhere. Remember it gets back to what I said I I think 75 years out.
0: That's awesome.
2: And one of, if you're going to go the long game, if you're going to play the long game, you got you got two ways of doing it. Two things are essential, I should say, in, in, in playing that long game, is you need to stay debt-free because the minute you're not debt-free, somebody else owns a percentage of your business. Um, the bank, they own part of you. <laughs> so you want to you, you wanna stay debt-free and you got to have patience. You got to believe in what you're doing and have confidence in that belief. And you got to be patient and... I'm I'm patient now, granted, I'm I'm not getting any younger. (laughs) Uh, So uh, but I'm still patient and we still have that goal. We're almost there. Um, And that goal is kind of private. I'll I'll keep that private in house between me and my two sons. But we have a goal and you'll know when you'll know when we've reached that goal. (laughs) So, you know, the whole country, I know when we reach that goal and we're just one step closer and i would say we're about two years out uh, of realizing where we wanted to go with the first phase of the of the company that's okay. exciting and, so and i'll i'll tease this and, and and here's the other thing that kind of slows that goal down is we keep creating new products yeah and that slows down the goal that we want to accomplish and uh and just like the new thing that we have a prototype built is a spec call. Um, wow. And that thing, when it when we get it out there, and hopefully we have it out by the end of the summer, that thing is amazing. Um, spec calls run on back pressure. And uh, back pressure is very, very hard to manipulate uh, until you really, really get the hang of it. Um, and this gets... Back to um beginners people just starting out our spec calls can be extremely easy to run
0: that's good to and,
2: hear. Uh, so that's and so now that kind of like slows the goal down a little bit so but it's essential that they keep building you know new products into the line and then um uh, you know and and keep new stuff coming out and You know, we have a, a cut down call that we want to get out and, uh, it's still on the, it's still in the software phase. It's still on the drawing board. Uh, but there are some of the things that we're thinking about, you know, for the future, but we're not going to, we've learned the patience game. We were very impatient to start with. And now we've settled in even John, my oldest son, he's settled in, um, and he, he actually is distracted now. He's, he's using his GI bill. He, uh, he was, uh, you know, an, once a Marine, always a Marine, gotcha. um, but he was, he was in the Corps. He, he did, you know, two tours over overseas in Afghanistan. And um, when, uh, now he's taking advantage of his GI bill and getting an engineer's degree. So I guess him and Justin will be fighting for the manager of engineering, <laughs> uh, mantle here in the company at some point. So um it, so he's doing that. So that's got him sidetracked. So I can, he's the one that's impatient. I'm, 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 I'm patient. Justin's patient. So, you know, we're going to get there where we want to get and that'll be phase one. Then, then we'll, we'll have, we'll kick phase two in the, in the, in the works
0: after that. So, um, so i have i have two questions before we start to wrap it up um if this if if this question you know involves phase two at any time you can tell me and you know obviously let it out um do you guys have any plans if you're not already of getting into the competition
2: scene well we we've actually in we've entered that we've um Peyton you know Peyton's pretty humble kid but i think peyton has finished second in the goose calling uh state virginia state goose calling competition five times nice with and he uses uh, he's used both the big hurt and the mo kraken in uh those competitions um I, i the name of the guy just escaped me uh that wins it just about every year but that that gentleman's in a in another universe i think he's won the world three or <laughs> oh, four times yeah
0: that's some good competition
2: um so and, and man i hate the his name slips slip my mind there because he deserves all the credit in the world it's from virginia you guys can research it but the guy is amazing um and then uh we've actually the caller number 10 has been to arkansas twice oh, for the world championship that's cool so
1: i was i was actually kind of curious about that i was uh I was blowing one of my other duck calls. Like I have a real long commute to work, so I bring my calls with me. <laughs> and, you know, it helps pass the time I don't feel like listening to something. And I noticed it's like three or four times louder than my other call. And I did think that, like, if, if it was going to be in a competition, it would be... That would probably be the one. It would probably blow a lot of other ones out of the water.
2: The, that's actually... Uh... The caller number 10 is a comp call. We built it to be a comp call for the guys. Uh, Dylan Nestor, uh, Travis Stotch um, made um, the Worlds with the caller number 10. And, and, I, and Dylan Nestor, uh, this, the, we went to the Worlds back-to-back years.
3: Okay.
2: Mm-hmm. Uh, we've kind of like, you know, those, I don't know, man. We just, I don't know. It's It's kind of like something that's kind of like, Fell off a little bit for us. It's kind of like not. Uh, I'll be in. I'll be honest with you. Um, You know, Justin works with those guys, uh, and John with the the comp side of things. And uh, I, I basically, I'm more focused on building good, user friendly, tough, durable, long lasting hunting calls. Gotcha. Mm-hmm. Uh, gotcha. So I. I Justin has been nicknamed, uh, Dylan knows Justin and has spent some time with Justin. Uh, but the newer folks like Peyton and Peyton's not that new. Peyton's been with us like three or four years now, about three years. Yeah. I'd say three years. And, uh, you know, they call Justin the ghost. They say he doesn't exist because they've never <laughs> actually met him. Oh, really? So that's crazy. I know that sounds insanely crazy. But, you know, they don't live, you know, Peyton lives down in New Kent County and, you know, he, he comes up to the shop and it's like so crazy is like right before the Harrisburg show, you know, Peyton's in the shop working. And I said, you know, because Justin does a lot of his lot of his work for the call company. He he has his own uh, computer system and everything set up at his house, like all his design work he actually does at the house. You know, the shop here is not the really conducive for that you know you can bring a laptop down here and and flop it open and do some work so a lot of what justin does is actually you know at his home office at his house mm-hmm. so they they call him the ghost and like the newer folks they've only been with us nick has only been with us a year or two, and harley they've only been with us a couple you know a year dylan rook same thing so they it's it's a I understand them not seeing Justin, but you know, Peyton's been with us three years and he still hasn't seen Justin. So Peyton rolls into the shop, you know, right before uh, you know, the Harrisburg show and he's gonna tune up some calls. He's coming back from Charlottesville. And he uh I said, dude, you just missed the ghost, man. Literally just five minutes. <laughs> you passed him probably on the road. He looked at me his hat, his hat was all cocked on his head, he goes, Dude, don't even start. Don't, <laughs> the dude does not exist. He, he, I don't want to hear it. So, even though Justin, Justin worked a lot with Dylan uh, here at the shop, uh, you know, come building his comp call because. And here again, I'm, I'm letting out some information. Other call makers probably will not like me letting out. <laughs> um, if you're going to build a comp call, I mean, if I we're going to if you're going to run a comp call for for us you're going to bring it to the shop and we're going to work on it okay and it's not the same big herd or it's not the same collar number 10 that somebody's buying off the shelf it's close don't get me wrong it's close so
0: here's a weird comparison to that so there for a little while it's gonna sound weird but it's kind of the same concept i bowled and looking into the bowling industry into the pros it's the same exact thing those balls that the pros are 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 are, rolling, are essentially the same ball, but there's minor differences than with the one Absolutely. that you're buying off the shelf. It's personalized. I think
2: that would be the yeah. best way yep. to That's exactly right. And listen, here's the thing. We got all the local, well, not just local. I've, I've had guys come in here from North Carolina, uh, out of stayers, come to our shop and spend three or four hours with us. They want that Personalization on their call, like, "Hey, man, we want you to, we want you to doctor on this thing. We want you to, we want to, or they'll come to buy one, but they want it custom tuned to the, you know, right in front of them." Okay, mm-hmm. and and I'll be honest with you, that's why shows for, and all the listeners right now. I, I want them, I want them to hear this. This is the most valuable piece of information. I'm probably going all this other stuff, nuts and bolts stuff. People probably yawning and like, man, oh, whatever. So <laughs> here's us. some good advice for you. If you're going to buy a call buy it at a sports show i don't care whose call you buy you buy our call buy it. if you're an rnt person you like rnt calls great buy it at a show buy it at a at, at a um, uh, a dealer you know if you order a call from me Online, and I know this is ki- this is going to kill my online sales right here, which <laughs> actually skyrocketed this year. That's good. I'm 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 going to step all over that success <laughs>
3: right
2: now. You buy a call from me right now. They're tuned. A lot of folks don't know this. Goose calls are tuned differently. Mm-hmm. I can I can make that mo cracking or that big hurt deeper, like a big old honker, or I can make it sound like a squid squilly mouth lesser. Or even a cackler, I can tune it that way. When you order a call, you don't—I don't know what you want, unless you call me up and tell me you want it tuned a specific way. I don't know, and uh, I'm going to box it up and I'm going to send it to you. Mm-hmm. You're probably going to like it, you know. I hope you do. <laughs> uh, but man, nothing takes the place of driving to the shop these guys that drive all this way and they get a personalized tune call or buying it at a show like the folks at Harrisburg and in Indiana did. And by the way, thank, thank you to, it. Oh. if you're listening to this podcast, man, and you stopped by the show and seen us and bought one of our products, I want to thank you uh, immensely for that. Thank you. Uh, I'm able to keep the lights on right now. Um, I, I made it a, i i shouldn't say i made
0: it a a thing but i've i've only ever bought two calls online i love one of them i hate the other one yep every other call i have i don't have a lot of new to me calls a lot of the calls i've bought were from my cousin from other people and i've got the chance to really blow on them before i call them or before i bought them yep
2: yep and you know what a lot of calls are that way um You'll blow your buddy's call. And you're like, oh, man, I really like that. And next thing you know, that sparks an online sale right there.
0: It, I, um, I, I One of the calls was indeed that. And he knows a little more about I do than tuning. And he had tuned his call, and I didn't know. Well, I bought the same call he does. And like I, I won't say the call or nothing like that, but I absolutely hate that goose call. Really? Yeah. Um, I, I, I it's, it's, And that
2: gets back to the tuning. Mm-hmm. How it was tuned. I I've and, tuned
0: uh, it a little more. Like I won't ever blow it in the field. I'm a big, I'm a call collector too. I like, I have a case right above my head right now in the podcast room. I, I like looking at goose calls. Like I said, it was the first introduction I had to the waterfowl world. Um, and like I said, I have it tuned to where I can blow it and I like it, but I have other calls, especially now your call that I'm going, that will never come
2: off my lanyard. And that just stays in the case. Uh, thank you for that. No, absolutely. Um, so, some more shop inside shop deal talk like especially for goose calls um we try to i try to tune all the goose calls middle of the road you know where it's it's not too high pitched or it's not too low pitched try to and that does two things the call if it's tuned in the middle of the road the call runs more efficiently Mm -hmm. uh that's where it's supposed to run and uh then the caller through adding a little bit more back pressure can make it deeper or opening up their hands. It can make it a little bit more sure you can kind of manipulate the sound that you want out of the call. If you tune it middle of the road. Yep. So all of, all of our calls are goose calls that leave the shop. Most of them are going to be tuned middle of the road. If you get one, that's one way or the other, it's probably a call that has been left over from that did not sell at the show because we purposely tune them or I purposely tune them uh, and Peyton, to, uh, the Peyton and myself and Justin, uh, tune all the calls. And I know that's hard to believe that Justin is still the ghost to Peyton. <laughs> he, because we're the three call but, uh, um, we, we tune them differently going into the shows because people, that way people can pick it up and say, oh yeah, you know, cause we let, and you probably went through this process when you met Peyton at Harrisburg. He probably tried to get you to try as many as he possibly could get you to try. Yep. And that and that is for there's gonna be one call on that rack that fits you. I can literally go down the line and hand you call after call after call and then all of a sudden you hit one, I'm like the rest of them I'm putting on the alcohol sponge and putting it back on the rack. And then that one I set down to the side. The reason I set it to the side is because I could tell by you calling how comfortable you felt with the call.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: and that's that's a big thing and you get that at sports shows and you get that at, at dealers that let you take them out of the case and, and blow them so, so the la- the last question I have
0: and then like I said we'll wrap it up and it should have been one of the first questions we asked <laughs> but where did the name Grit Pack Calls come from? there's got to oh be a god. good story
2: behind this <laughs> oh my god I knew that story. Was- <laughs> I knew that question was coming oh god <laughs> Man, all right. Uh, I, I I don't know what the statute of limitations are <laughs> on something, so I got to be very careful here. Um, my dad, who 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 actually just passed in November, God bless him. Um, he uh, he was a tough man, buddy. He was. Um, I'll just leave it. At, he was tough. Yeah. And what you saw is what you got. Very. If you want, be careful if you ask his opinion on something, let's put it that way. (laughs) So he kind of took over the deer club that we were running. And I probably, I guess I was in, I don't know, 18 or 19 years old. I was actually, I was dating my wife. And in fact, I was old enough. We, let's see, yeah, I was 18, 19. I dated my wife all the way through high school, or not all the way through high school, but, um, but anyway, we we were dating, so I could have been as old as twenty, but somewhere between 18, 19, and twenty, um, he took over our deer club and he laid the law down. And said, "Hey, look, uh, we're not uh, we're not shooting any more does. We're going to build a big, you know, big buck club, a place where we kill big bucks, and you know, and like we we're like, oh, Dad, we want to kill stuff, man. Are you <laughs> kidding me?" And um, so, me, my brother, my cousins, and some of our friends, probably like eight of us, I think it was eight of us, kind of broke out on our own and said, ah, we're going to do our own thing, you know, and and this right here is not going to be popular with, you know, some of your listeners, you know, and it's a different culture, um, mm-hmm. you know, down here in the South, I mean, you can, you know, dog deer. You run, you know, deer with hounds. Yeah. And I know that's not a very popular thing with people. And uh and by the way, just so y'all know, I haven't deer hunted in about 20 years. That's <laughs> that's true. I mean, I have that's been 20 years since I've been deer hunting. Uh so um, we had our our own little team of hounds and uh we were just bumping around and I, I'll just say this when we saw a post-it sign it, it meant two things to us <laughs> there was more game in that piece of wood <laughs> and less competition for it and uh we uh we started to develop a reputation in the community and uh, so i stopped in and um and that those those signs could even be government signs. And I, I that's the statue of limitations uh, part. I'm not <laughs> sure about. So I'm just gonna leave that right there. Gotcha. Gotcha. Because that's part of the that's part of the story. So uh, we um, we were going to actually make a, a deer drive at a farmer's place and uh, we actually had permission. With, uh, so the country store, my dad you know, was at the country store, and everybody's eating lunch at the country store, you know, everybody kind of like gathered out at the, all the hunters gathered up at the same country store, so he's kind of sitting there in the doorway of his his truck, and, you know, got a bunch of people standing around, and uh, I walked up to him, I said, hey, Pops, I said, "Uh, we're going down to Kronks and uh, put on a drive, you want to go with us? And this was a quote, and I'll never forget this, Because this is how we named the company. Um, He said, boy, I wouldn't hunt with you pack of grits if you had the last effing deer (laughs) tied to a tree. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that's awesome. And it stuck, a pack of grits, and then it got flipped around. And that's what we became known to, like, all the community people around here. And it was, you know, at that time, I'll be honest with you, it was a negative connotation. I want all the young people listening you know, right now, I, I want to go on record. Uh, don't be stupid. I yeah. was stupid. Me and those other seven dudes were extremely stupid. Do not be stupid. Don't do stupid stuff like running roughshod over somebody else's piece of property. It's not a very, first of all, it was, it, it, first of all, my granddaddy would have rolled over in his grave because my granddaddy was a, it was a high moral, very mm-hmm. guy with a lot of character, man. And he would have had a heart attack and uh so uh don't i i i if i'm glorifying it i don't mean to but yeah, I'm, no, just stating, no, we
0: under,
2: yeah, I'm just stating no no we we yeah i'm just stating what the the truth of it i'm just speaking yeah, truth, we, truth we respect that so uh, one of those forays into one of those federal establishments uh it was raining so hard boys i'm i'm telling you you couldn't have poured it out of a 5 gallon bucket any harder and uh it was raining so hard you couldn't even hear the hounds, and all of a sudden, man, they sounded like trumpets in my ears. They were just blasting, and I'm looking ahead in the downpour, and I'm like, "Man, these deer have got to be right on top of me." Mm-hmm. And sure enough, I mean, they come down a, a ravine, and uh, and I killed one, and then uh, gathered up the dogs. The deer were getting out, you know, scatting on out of there. And and the one day we were sitting in the office, and me uh, as me and Justin. And, man, it was raining outside just about as hard. I don't know. We we have been trying to name the company for, like, three months. And we were coming up with all these cheesy names, man. I'm like, no way. We, and we all had to agree on it. That's the yep. one thing.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: It had to be unanimous. The name had to be unanimous. Now, when we make decisions, you know, in the company, two can outvote, you know, it's three of us.
0: Gotcha. So,
2: if the boys gang up on me, dad's got to take <laughs> it. So, uh I'm sitting there watching that rain and I just started thinking about that day, you know, uh, over in that piece of ground where I wasn't supposed to be. And, uh, I said, uh, I looked at Justin. I said, I got the name of the call company and he goes, what? And my boys, you know, heck they weren't even born yet, but they, as much as I tried to protect them from those stupid things mm. that I did, you know, your friends talk. Yep. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> yeah. So they knew all about the grit pack. And um, so uh, I said, I got the name for the company and he goes, what? I said, grit pack calls. And he looked at me and he just, and Justin's like very dry. He doesn't smile. If you get a smile or a laugh out of Justin, you said something real funny. He just kind of dropped his head and pursed his lips out and started shaking his head. Yeah. And he goes, "Uh, well, you got to get it by John. Call John. So I call him. He's stationed down at Buford, South Carolina. He's still in the core, you know, and. So I called him up. Didn't even think I'd get him. I'd have to leave a message. And sure enough, he answered his phone. And uh, I said, hey, I uh, said, John, I said, we uh, we got the name for the call company. And he goes, really? And I said, uh, yep. Grit Pack Calls.
0: Yeah, that's. I, I think that's the perfect ending to, to, to part one of this podcast.
2: And he said, I love it. So that's how we went with it. Well,
0: Teddy, we're gonna we're gonna cut part one here, um, just to overcap, We we really really appreciate you coming on. We've never talked to somebody who allowed us to have that much of an insight mm-hmm. into the call making business or the call making industry or you know techniques and trials, errors turns into success. You know, it's so it's it's really enlightening to hear everything. It's it's really really good to talk to someone as genuine as you are it, it's refreshing to hear that in the industry um so overall like i said we really appreciate you coming on it's been a blast
2: yep i look forward to part two and uh and you're gonna really hear some stories in yeah because <laughs> <laughs> the outfitter business actually is the foundation of everything that gotcha. we do and uh so you're gonna it's gonna be some real interesting st- you're gonna hear some real interesting stuff in that deal I can't
0: wait. (laughs) So the listeners out there, thank you for listening. Keep an eye out for part two with Teddy Carr. Uh, That's it. Thank you, guys. Thank you. All right, man. Good night.